Welcome to another episode of Sincerely Kile. Um, this is we're just gonna go straight into part two of our last episode. Um, today I have the honor of having my mom with me again and my older sister with me again. Um, so my older sister was on the episode with uh the dad episode where we kind of shared our feelings and emotions um and being transparent and how we felt about that whole um life's journey. So um today we have my mom here, and we're just going to talk about like the healing process, the forgiveness process, because what a lot of people fail to realize is that um, when you go through these experiences and you go through these journeys, again, this is not a movie. This is not a play. This is not a book. This is not a story. This is not for likes or attention. What it is, it's, it's real life. Like These are real life experiences. These are real life journeys. These are real life emotions that we go through. And we're just um, trusting God and being transparent through this, throughout this whole thing, hoping that it'll bless someone else. Um, but a lot of people think that, oh, they healed, you know, they forgave and they healed and they got through this and boom, bam, bang. Like everything, everything's good. Life's good. Like, no, they, it's a continuous process where you have to, you know, continuously work at this thing. And it's just like when people say relationship goals or family goals, like, you don't know that family's struggles behind the scenes. You don't know that marriage or that relationship struggles behind the scenes. That's why I never say relationship goes to anybody but my own relationship because I don't know what those people are going through behind the scenes. So um, today we're just going to like share our candid experiences, our transparency, our transparent feelings about, you know, how we felt in those moments, how we got through them. Um, how we continue to get through them and and just pray that it reaches someone and blesses someone through the through that time. So the last episode we ended um on my mom, you know, just saying her journey on how she um transitioned into this new wife role. She transitioned to a new mom role um because she had my younger sister uh after that, and then she also transitioned into um my sister and I'm moving into um, the family. So she had a lot of things going on. And as a mom and as a woman, you know, in your mindset, it's just a lot of things when you grow up, you understand, you know, it wasn't a lot of people talk about postpartum and everything like that, that they can relate to. But this was something that she had to go through where she had to now, you know, step into all these different roles. So I really want to talk to my mom, but I also want to talk to my sister who was older than me at that time. And she kind of experienced a lot more um, emotionally and uh, and was emotionally affected at that time. So I want to talk to her about the healing process, the forgiveness process and understanding what she was going through at that time um, in her life's journey. So we're just going to jump into it. So thank you guys for joining in another week of Sincerely Kile. Um, so um, I want to start with mommy. Um, going into, we ended on you going into um, your new wife's role and you had just had Jada. So you had a newborn and um, me and Keita moving in. So how did you um, emotionally deal with that without legit going crazy, I guess? Or 
Um, how did you deal with that emotionally and kind of taken into a perspective like your other, like Kita emotions and my emotions? How did you incorporate all of that at one time? Well, one thing, um, after I got married, I um, was living with my mother-in-law. And at that time, it was just me and my husband and Jada, my young um, second youngest daughter. And um, it was okay. And then we would come up and visit you all on weekends. But then when my father was like, what are y'all going, what are y'all plans with getting Nikita and Kile? Because at that time, we never discussed that because he never brought the subject up. Mm -hmm. So when he brought it up, we was like, oh, okay, we are ready to get them. So we went in the process of finding a, a, a place to live and everything. And we finally found an apartment. We did that immediately because I was excited. You know, I was about to be a mom to two daughters that I felt that I was not in their life a lot of times. So when we moved into our apartment, we moved y'all in immediately. You know, and my parents came over and everything. And they seen the apartment and everything where we were staying. And it was kind of hard in the beginning because even though I was excited, it was a lot of anxiety and anxiety, what? Anxiety. Anxiety <laughs> to me as far as because, <laughs> well, because I, um, even though I was a mom, I never experienced being a mom. Mm -hmm. my, my parents were great grandparents. They actually raised helped me raise my two oldest daughters. So for you all to come with me, I was learning to be a mom to a, what, 16-year-old mm -hmm. and see eight years old. And then I still had a newborn. So it was kind of hard. It was kind of hard. But I thank God for my husband. Because even though it was his first time being a father to the newborn, he really handled being a dad to my 16-year-old and my 8-year-old. So I thank God for that. Okay. And um, my sister and I kind of talked on this on the um, dad episode. Um, you know, so how how was it initially for you, Kita, being older and understanding, like, a lot, everything that went on, everything that transpired, how was it for you, like, moving into this new life type thing? Um, uh, I, I would have to agree. Like there was a lot of anxiety there. Mm -hmm. Um, so when my grandparents first approached us, well, approached me because Kile was a lot younger, you know, they kind of gave me the choice and they said, you know, you have a choice. You, you, it's not like we don't want you to be here. Um, you know, uh, your mom really wants you to come live with her and Scott you know, um, we're going to let you make that decision on your own. So there was a lot of uh, thoughts. Like, that's a big decision for me. I was 15. Right. You're still you know, a child. I was still a child. Yeah. I was just graduating middle school. I was just getting ready to go to high school for my grandparents' house. So not only transitioning to a new family situation, I was leaving all of my friends mm -hmm. and everything that I knew because I was I was born and raised in DC. 
All of my friends were in DC. I had no friends in Maryland. So it was going to be new family, new school, making new friends all at like once. Like a whole new life. A full new life. So I was excited to like be with my mom, but I was also hesitant because I was leaving my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I was leaving everything that I knew. Mm -hmm. I had never lived with my mom by herself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I lived with my mom, um, but it was always under my grandparents' roof. And then the short period of time that I did live with my mom and dad alone, like mm -hmm. I may have been six, right. mm -hmm. you know, and that wasn't for a long time because then I, I moved with my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a lot to take on at that age. You know, if you guys can think back to adolescence, like you, you're dealing with so much and to have that, big grown-up decision on your back. So, you know, um, I decided to move for my mom because for one, you know, like I said, I wanted to give it a try. And for two, um, if anybody knows me, like I'm the protective big sister. So I'm like, well, my little sister want to go. So I want to go too, just to make sure she's okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I decided to go and, you know, it, it started off good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, new life. My I, I grew up in a very strict household. So, you know, um, there was a little more, re some relaxation of the rules. Um, my grandfather was a firm believer of not letting us have company and yes. hanging outside <laughs> and this and that. So at least living with my mom and stepfather, I was able to have friends over and mm -hmm. go outside and meet new friends and things like that. But on the, <clears throat> excuse me, but on the flip side, you know, I always had my grandfather there as a father figure and never really experienced another man mm -hmm. um, in authority. So that's kind of where, you know, kind of the, um, Teenage rebellion, kind of like, well, I mean, you're not my father type of thing, mm -hmm. kind of came in um, in the beginning. So, but as as time went on, and I can really see that despite, you know, my attitudes and this and there, like he was genuinely there yeah. to like mm -hmm. um, not disciplining me out of well, it's not my real child, kind of disciplining me out of love and these aren't the things that you should be doing. Right. And I think we all go through that as teenagers, even with our biological parents. Exactly. So um, um, I just wanted to touch point on when you said like being a protector, because um, I think a lot of people, um, they see our relationship, of course, like as sisters and like, I always say, like, my oldest sister's my best friend. Like, the four of us, the Fab Four, we are best friends. Um, but a lot of people see me and my oldest sister because we hang out a lot. We do trips. We do whatever. And she's my backbone. So I always refer to her as, like, not only my best friend, but as my second mother. Like, Kita has always been my protector. Um, so I respect that and I honor her for that. But um, as being that, did you ever feel like you had to grow up more rapidly 
and being like the bigger sister, the older sister and the protector of me type thing. And how did, how did that affect you? Um, I, I don't feel like I had to grow up faster because we did have our grandparents there. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was just always something that in me that was protective and I, I'm like very protective over the people I love. And I, and I, sorry, y'all, I have a cold, so my voice is going in and out. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, you know, um, I knew my grandparents, you know, were up in age. So, you know, a lot of things, you know, were put on my plate um, to have to help out. My Both of my grandparents were working still. So, you know, um, I had a lot of responsibility that most kids wouldn't typically have at my age, like in the fifth grade, you know, <clears throat> I would have to leave school, middle school. And so in the morning, I had to walk my past my middle school to walk my little sister to her elementary school, which was maybe uh, a 15 <laughs> minute longer walk, walk past my school, take her to school and then come back to my school, get there on time, get out of school and go back and get her and be in the house by four o'clock. Granddaddy's curfew. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in fifth grade, most kids, you know, weren't latchkey kids. And if they were, they didn't have the responsibility of a whole human being. Right. So we would go in the house and, you know, my grandmother would have, you know, our snacks and things like that prepared. So we wouldn't have to turn on the stove. Oh, <clears throat> um, and then, you know, she wouldn't get home until maybe six o'clock, mm -hmm. um, six, six thirty. My grandfather wouldn't get home to maybe like eight or nine o'clock at night. So, you know, it did kind of make me grow up mm -hmm. a, a lot faster. And mm -hmm. I think that's why I'm pretty much uh, my sisters always look at me as like the mother sister, even when we having fun. Um, if things start going left or we having too much fun, I'm normally the mother be like, okay, I got to sober up and get these little children out of the yeah. truck. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that that was always a bad thing either because I feel like um, a lot of those characteristics that I gained from having to grow up a little early you know, even though my kids weren't forced to have to grow up, right? Um, I kind of instilled like that independency and being kind of a go-getter in them. Like, I don't ever want them to have to rely on on anyone. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, um. That's um so I'm just sitting here thinking because like um you know we always talk about like God has a purpose and and things like that. So when my sister says that like I feel like you know God kind of he kind of um leads us on in like this path type thing or he kind of um writes our story out cuz he already knows like what's next to come or type thing. So I always just think about that like maybe he kind of wrote this story type thing where you know, he, he was preparing us for what was to come in the future type thing. Yeah. Um, so I do always, you know, respect that. But 
Um, back to my mom, I just want to, you know, just say like, um, you know, just going, just after that, you know, like, um, incorporating, you know, I guess two different things, like, I could, okay, so me getting married to John, being fully transparent, when I got married to John and moved in with John into a household with Hunter, we we lived separate for Hunter's first year of, of his life. Um, I lived with my parents, he lived with his parents. And so when we moved in, the, I always say the biggest battle for us was parenthood. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like because for one whole year, I was living with my parents and one, for one whole year, you was living with your parents. Mm-hmm. And so we would get Hunter different parts of the week. We were still in a relationship. We just wasn't living together. Um, but I parented differently and he parented differently. Mm-hmm. And so moving in together, that was like our biggest, I think that was our biggest uh, hurdle in our marriage because it was like, well, this is how I deal with Hunter and this is how you deal with Hunter. And we kind of kind of get on one accord. So us moving with y'all, you know, you were actually, um, like you said, getting back used to motherhood in that aspect and Scott being a new time, a new father type thing. So like, was that difficult in meshing? Like one, these are my kids. Um, so I want to kind of create that bond and create that trust with them first. And you also have to get to know like your first kid. Like to me, I feel like that's difficult because like Hunter being like both our kids, Right. But him getting to know me and Keita and understanding he has a new child in this world, too, at the same time. How did y'all deal with that in y'all marriage? Yeah, it was rough. (laughs) 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 My thing was, my parents, I always say my parents were the greatest. Uh I might had a lot of difficulties because, like um, my daughters said, it's a rebellion stage. You don't appreciate it. You're not grateful for what you have. And my parents spoiled me. I was very spoiled. So when I married my husband, I was still that spoiled little girl. As far as when it came to my children, when even when Nikita and Kile moved with me, when y'all moved with me, I felt y'all still had the privileges that y'all had when y'all was with y'all grandparents. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the same privileges because I was a mom staying at home. He was the only person going out to work every day. So the income was different. So I used to pout and have an attitude. Well, they're not used to this lifestyle. You know, y'all didn't know this was be- what was being said and, the and and you know, behind closed doors. Well, my kid's not used to this. And he was like, well, they have to get used to that. Because at the end of the day, he was the one paying all the bills. I wasn't going to work. I wasn't doing anything. And I didn't understand that. And another thing was, it was just a point of, because he never had children until the first one we had, he's never been a dad. So raising y'all was based on, a lot of times, it was based on what I, what, how I was raised. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, well, that's not how my dad did things. This is not what we did. This, you know, my dad didn't allow me to do these things. 
So I really believe in his heart, he just took on the characteristics of what I was saying. Right. Because he didn't have a dad in his life. He, he was raised by a single mom. And I didn't understand that at that moment, you know? So it was a lot of mistakes and a lot of choices that we made that was wrong, you know? And right to this day, it even eats him up because he was like, I just feel that I made a lot of wrong choices. And I was like, honey, well, they love you, you know, because at the end of the day, they did not, it might've been wrong, but they know now as they matured and got older, and became that it was out of love. And became you know? parents. I think yeah. that as we become parents, we understand a lot of things that we didn't understand as a kid. Right. right. Like, even now, like, I always say, like, we grew up super strict. And we would be like, well, why yeah. we can't go to this person's house? And right. why we can't hang out with, why we can't do this? And now you watch the world today and we watch our kids, even though the world today is totally different. Right. But we watch our kids and the way that we protect our kids and we, like, enforce these rules as a parent it's just that internal feeling like yeah. it's a difference when you become a parent that you kind of understand parent towards parent mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. kind of like you know how momish started because it was just like mother to mother like right. i'm married to my husband but as a mother it's different than what a father yes. feels or how they react to a situation mm-hmm. like right. nobody understands how a mother feels than another mother and so i think that's important um, but also just understanding like um me and Kita, me and Kita and a couple of other friends, we read this uh book, Mike Todd mm-hmm. Relationship Goals. And I tell everybody it wasn't just about relationships as mm-hmm. in you know, romantic mm-hmm. relationships, but it was about friendships and it's about family relationships. And I think that a lot of families, um, and honestly, black families, we don't have that communication, um, outlet where we're able to talk about these emotions and that's what i want to emphasize like as we go forth in this podcast understanding that a lot of these conversations that we're having right now are first time conversations and like we shared on the last one we were never able to just talk to mommy about this stuff back in the day because it was just like that's just not what families would do no we didn't communicate in in this in this depth of things and so um what the book was saying was that how you were raised or the household that you were raised in those relationships kind of guided the relationships that you were in i mean that you're in today mm-hmm. and so um necessarily all about romantic relationships but it was about like all types of relationships, friendships, family relationships, and how we communicate and how we deal with, with things like pain and trauma and just everything. And so um, it was saying like how you grow up in a household or how you view like other people relationships that you grew up around, how it forms and shapes the relationships that you're in today. And so to me, that like sunk deep because it was just like, like you're saying, like you was telling Scott, like that's not how my dad did it, right? And this is how I seen it, right? This is how I know it, and I think that a lot of us get caught up in that because I I find myself like doing that. Like it's a lot of times when I'm disciplining our kids, it's like, well, no, my parents did it this way, right. and this is how we grew up, and this is how our church did it, and this is how 
you know, I feel like we should do it. And he sees a different thing because he grew up in a whole different household. So I think it's that's when communication is so important. And it's also like watching how, and that's why I always um, watch how my kids see me and John interact, I guess. Right. Because I never want them to grow older and um, and say, you know, my parent. I never seen my parents love each other. I never seen my parents. So we make our like we don't make them, but because my kids are nosy, they come in any time <laughs> they want to. But they so so they see us like hugging and dancing and kissing and joking around. And Hunter's always like, "Ew, y'all are so nasty." And and it's not it's nasty as at his age. But um, at first I was like, I don't want them to see that. But now it's like, I do want them to see that because I want them to see real love. I want them to see yes. us loving each other. I want them to see us having fun with each other, joking with each other. I want them to see John washing the dishes. And, right. you know, understanding that we split these roles and we split this responsibility and we, like, had this great friendship or relationship. Like, I don't want... um Because it does make a difference to see that. Because I always, yes. when me and John got together, like, I always say that, like, I always told him, like, nah, you can find somebody better because my, my family got drama. <laughs> but no, but because he came from a household where his parents were together this whole time. Right. And his parents was like, this is, to me, they're like this lovey-dovey couple and they're like goals, you know? Yeah. And not to knock you and Scott, like, I love y'all. Yeah. But I don't think y'all ever show like that lovey-dovey like we're going on dates and i always tell people that like i don't remember y'all sending us to mama and them house and be like we going on a date no we didn't because hunter mean, will be like y'all going on another date <laughs> y'all getting dressed up y'all going to another wedding and so they know that and so i don't remember us saying mommy and sky going on a date type yeah, thing or the, the one thing was i remember even when i first started dating scott he would hold my hand or rub my leg or something. And I it used to get to me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Well, I'm an infect well, um, affection person. Mm-hmm. I love I like to hug and feel and stuff. And I really think it got to me because of my past. Yeah. Because in my past, when I was doing drugs and all that, it wasn't no affection. It wasn't no love or anything. It was just about me doing what I needed to do to get drugs and get money. So to have someone to feel act that way with me was hard. Genuine. Genuine, you know. And even though I had you and Nikita by y'all dad, it wasn't that type of affection. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that way. So I didn't understand that. And it used to get to him because he would be like, why you pull your hand back? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I don't know. You know, I didn't know. I didn't understand it because my main thing is I was like, what is this? You know, I don't know what this is. So it was more on my part. Yeah. It was more on my part. It wasn't because he didn't want to do these things. It was just I didn't. And, you know, I'm still like that. Yeah. And I think and I think for me, like just to piggyback off of that, because I'm not a real affectionate person like that either. It goes back to what Keele was saying, like how you grow up. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't really see right. our grandparents mm-hmm. being lovey-dovey and going on dates and things like that. Um, 
it was more so, you know, we, we knew they were providers and they took care of us. Right. And, you know, you can depend on them, but it wasn't. Now my grandmother, yeah, she's affectionate, but my grandfather wasn't. And, you know, and sometimes they jokingly call me my grandfather, little John Lawhorn, because I, I'm pretty much the disciplinarian when it comes to the kids. Or leave me like alone. That. Yeah, or leave me alone. So it was a little different for me when I did get in a relationship with somebody that is affectionate and want to hold hands and this and that. Like, it was just a whole new arena yeah. For me, because it, it's just not what you used to. my what I'm used to is not really your personality mm-hmm. trait. But then I also read the five love love languages. Yep. So that that book is really an eye opener. It's like okay, just because it's not in your nature is what that other person needs, yeah. and it's kind of selfish if you don't try mm-hmm. to at right. least give exactly. them what what they need mm-hmm. as well but it is something that is i think the way that you are brought, brought up, up and yeah. what you see like i didn't see those things so it is foreign to me it's not comfortable yeah right and my thing was now with my dad he was he would come over my house once I was married, I would see my dad, it seemed like every day. And I'd be like, here he come putting up in this pool um, yard again. And he would always kiss me on my cheek and tell me how much he loved me and everything. But like um, Nikita, my oldest said, I didn't see the, the affection with him and my mom. But we would go over to my aunt's house. We would do family gatherings and we would see everybody having a good time. And they would be laughing and joking and stuff. But when they came home, yeah. it was like a whole different situation. It's not like it was like going back to the same thing. He would get up and go to work. My mom would iron his clothes, fix his lunch, his breakfast and stuff, give him his you know, his little bag to take to work. He would go to work. And she was at home at the time. You know, a stay-at-home mom. But then she started working. Right. And then when she started working, it was just like a, a um but I think that's a routine. Yeah, I, I think that's how say, people how, how people say like you might be a good father, but you're right. not a good husband type right. of and also like do you feel like that shaped how the relationship you had the relationships that you had? Do you think that what you've seen shaped the relationships that you had that you got into? Because he was a good father, but the way that you saw him as as a husband to your mom, like, do you feel like that shaped the relationship on the man that you thought that you wanted to be with? Well, what man? You talking about that? <laughs> no. So, so what I would say about my grandfather, because you know, my grandfather, you know, uh, shared some parts of his childhood with yes. us, and you know, Again, he was shaping that. He was a foster child yeah. um, for a little bit in his life. And he was mistreated. Um, the family pretty much didn't feed him and this and that. So I think that pretty much shaped him, you know, um, into the man that he was. He yeah. always wanted to be a family man. He had that desire to have a family. Now he loved his family. Um, 
it, it goes back to the love languages. I think his love language was, I'm a provider. They're taken care of. My kids will never want for clothes. Mm -hmm. They'll always have a roof over their head. They're going to always have clothes on their back. The things that I didn't have. Um, so him lacking that affection in his childhood, I think his interpretation of being a good husband and father was his being provider. that strong provider. And my grandmother, she's very loving. If you ever meet my grandmother, she's a hugger okay. and she's so hers is definitely physical touch hers and quality is time. Yes. But I also <laughs> they think, didn't have that back then. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I also think hers is doing for you, making sure you serve. Yeah. My grandmother will get up at four o'clock in the morning and cook a hot breakfast yeah. every morning before she left for work. She had to be to work at six o'clock in the morning. There is not one morning that I can remember yeah, that my grandfather missing. didn't have breakfast on the table. So in a way, I think that was kind of, you know, their way of showing love. showing love to one another. Like the love was there, but we just didn't see it physically. And although my grandmother, you know, was different times back then when you had a man that provided, yeah. you had a good man. You got and a not, good and husband. not only that, being a working, like she yeah. was still working. And I think, like, I feel like we have that trait because I know a lot of people joke me on uh, on Instagram when I cook and stuff, but I think we got that from my mom. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I cook home-cooked meals, and I still make my husband's plate. Like, I just got that old soul like that. Like, my husband still gets his plate made. I still make John's plate. Then I make the boy's plate. And... Um, everybody gets their plate made. And yeah. I think I think because I've seen that. And my grandmother's where really I gotta messed buy. us up in that aspect because yeah. now my and she still don't even get up to make his plate. He'd be like, what we eat tonight? The food is downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had a cookout. <laughs> we had a cookout and mom would be like, hey, did you make John's plate? Exactly. Nikita, did you make Edna's plate? <laughs> yeah. My thing is, I think it was because like, um, Nikita said they always call her Lil John Lawhorn. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why she grew up as the protector because he was our protector. Yeah. Because he had to protect his siblings mm -hmm. because of the situation that they were in. And then my mom, she was a nurturer because she had to get up and fix breakfast and mm -hmm. stuff for her uncles and aunts. With and, her grandmother and, before and she went to her school, and her, yeah, and her brother yeah. before she went to school. So my thing is that a lot of, of the traits that we have, well, my children, <laughs> not me, <laughs> but a lot of the traits that they have is because that's what they seen my mom do, and I thank God for it. You know, I thank God for it because I really believe that. It just showed a lot of love in their way. Yeah. Back in those days, mm -hmm. that's how they show how they love a person. Right. These days and times, like you said, it's date night and all these things. But I also, I also shoot. think Cardi B said she don't cook or clean the goddamn <laughs> So I always, since I'm doing it, oh right. <laughs> but I also think that it comes from that because I feel like a lot of females, not nobody I know particularly and personally wise, 
But I think that on social media, we see the women who um, they want these extravagant trips or they want jewelry or they want this and that. Or it's one-sided where they think that the man should do everything. And I feel like we got that old school trait where I'm like, I'm going to surprise John every once in a while. You know, like I'm going to make sure he's taken care of too. Or it's like those things don't bother me. Like I want sentimental type mm-hmm. gifts. Right. I want sentimental type things that you that I that you heard what I said. You exactly. it's not about like the the money wise. I don't I don't care about the money, but did you hear what I said I wanted type thing and understanding like my love language or whatever because the love language didn't exist back then. Yeah. But I really want to get into like um forgiveness because like as we know a lot of us struggle with forgiveness. Like for me and probably Kita, but for me mostly, is <laughs> forgiving <laughs> our father. Because for me, that's like a trouble spot for me. Like, I've shared that. I, even when I try, I'll be like, no, I'm going to try. Like, God told me to forgive him, and I'm going to do it. But then I don't listen to God, y'all. I'll be like, nope, <laughs> I try. I ain't doing it no more. You know, and it's hard for me. So, like, um, I think you going through that, what would you say to somebody else that's going through that trouble spot where they, um, the people around them have forgive, have forgave them, but forgiven themselves? How do you heal and forgive yourself for the things that you regret or the things that you've done that you're, you look back and you're like, you know, I just need to forgive myself because all of us have those times where we like, I messed up. And they forgave me, but how do I forgive myself? Like, I I do it a lot of times um, for stuff that I've done in the past where I'm like, all right, you know, everybody else around me has has forgiven me, but I'm still still holding myself hostage into that unforgiveness spirit. Around us have forgave us for the things that we've done or the things that we can't forgive ourselves for. We're kind of like holding ourselves um, hostage to like, forgiving ourselves so like what would you tell somebody who is looking to forgive themselves because i think a lot of people struggle with that um no matter if it's like something huge and like detrimental to their life or if it's something small that they kind of just hold on to their head with it like i i can't let i can't forgive myself for this so what um what has helped you throughout the years to heal and forgive yourself my husband, I thank God for him. For the simple fact, it's been plenty of times that you all didn't know about me crying in the room to him about my past or about me not being a great mom, you know. And he just quoted the scripture, what God says. God says that he forgive those that forgive others. That as far as if God forgives me, then I need to forgive other people. But also, y'all forgave me. Y'all been said that years ago. And it took a long time for me not to still process that. But the actions showed it. Me growing, a, um, you know, as far as the um, relationship. Mm-hmm. As y'all got older, y'all relationship with me got better, you know. And I think it really happened with my first granddaughter, with Kiara. 
you know, me being a grandmother and bonding and showing that um, I could be trusted. I could be trusted to be a grandmother when I seen how Nikita would let me keep her or would ask me, well, Ma, can I, I want to go out. Will you be willing to watch her or whatever? That show volumes to me because the thing was to show me that I trust you with my child. Yeah. So that showed me forgiveness, but that also showed me how to forgive myself. Like I said, when my husband just quoting scripture to me to show if God forgave you, that's all that matter. Yeah. That all that's that's all that matter. You have to let things work out. It has to be a process with things, you know. And I didn't understand that because he's the most laid back person. It used to irritate me because I used to be like, well, <laughs> he act like nothing bothers him. It's not that nothing bothers him. He just live on what the scripture says. That's the crazy part, though. I think that <laughs> I think I went through with the same type of person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that that bothers me. That because I'm like argue back with me, right? Know? Get back at me, you know. And John's so not controversial, but um, what you said was the process. Like I feel like everybody thinks it's an over, and that's why I tell people like it's not an overnight scenario type thing. Like yeah. this ain't no overnight scenario. scenario. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's a continual a continuous process where yeah. you're like you said building that trust. Right. And you know, like Keto was 15, 16, I guess. Right. Um, and it took until her having Kiar. Right. And you becoming a grandmother to feel that trust. Like right. and a lot of people want that overnight feeling where they're like, Oh, you know, like I'm here, like she moved in with me, you know, she's here now, she forgive me, so everything's good. So no. the work has stopped. No. Nope. And that's why a lot of people you know, they get frustrated with themselves or they get frustrated with whatever they have going on in their life, their journey, because they feel like I didn't put in this work. So tomorrow everything should be good. Right. Like, no, like, it's just like, I didn't, I didn't walk a couple of miles and I'm still fat right. and I just got to have patience <laughs> and I want these abs now, but I don't have them because mm -hmm. it's a continuous process. I have to continue to eat right. I have to continue to you know, do the exercises and it's just like that simple, but it seems so hard at the end of the day. Um, but um, going back to Kita and, you know, myself, like, what is it that helped you um, kind of either start or continue to do that healing process, that forgiveness process? Um, we know that with my dad, I'm still working on it <laughs> and I'm being transparent in that area because, for me, it's harder. Um, like we shared in the other episode, um, I think having that connection or having that um, that motivation, I guess. I don't know. But for me, it's harder. And, you know, y'all, I, I continue to pray for myself in that area. Um, but it's also like, like I said, and like I shared in that episode, um, forgiveness is forgiving. True forgiveness is forgiving those that don't even know that they did nothing wrong. They don't even have to admit that they did anything wrong, but you're forgiving them. And I have to learn to have that forgiveness that God has where um, he forgives us. Regardless if we come back and say, you know, what we did wrong and how we did it and, you know, we felt bad for it. Right. I want to have that heart of forgiveness. Like, right. I forgot the guy that um, did that song. That song used to touch me so bad. 
I want to hide that. Yes. A hard thing. And that that song used to always get to me because um that's what I I want that, but it's just so hard. But um Kita, how do you how do you kind of deal through the forgiveness process and the healing process? Because I feel like, you know, you dealt with from both sides of both parents type thing. Um I would say more so for me, like it was it was a battle. So I came into, you know, a whole new, you might as well say life mm-hmm. at the age of 15. Mm-hmm. Not only was I introduced to a whole new family, like I said, I was also introduced to church. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to church with my grandparents. We went to church every Sunday with, with my cousins <laughs> that lived down the street. Um so, but that church was, you know, we were involved. Like I was an acolyte, I was an usher, but that church really was, you know, kind of religion, mm-hmm. religious. I really didn't get much out of it. The spiritual aspect. We just went to church yeah, every Sunday. Yeah. So it was a routine. We, yes. So when we started, and what was crazy about that, let me just go back. What was crazy about that, my grandparents got us up religiously every Sunday to go to church. <laughs> they were out of nowhere. And they did not go. <laughs> but we was getting up out of there and we were going to church every Sunday. <laughs> you going to church. <laughs> but so really when I moved with my mom and my stepdad, you know, I was really introduced to church a church that was like youth involved and really like spoke the word at the time. And, you know, um, there was youth ministers and things like that, that kind of reached out to me. But one thing that really um, stood out to me, my my stepfather's sister-in-law, my aunt Colette, Mm -hmm. like she was very instrumental in helping me let go. Also, shout out to our marriage counselors. Yes. She was very (laughs) instrumental on helping me understand that forgiveness is for you. Yes. Healing, that healing is going to take a while. But the first step is you have to forgive. Like, it, I I can't describe it. It's like a a genuine weight lifted off your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And when I can say that, when I finally, you know, it, it's it's no steps to this. All I can say is I, I had to surrender it to God. Yeah. yeah. And 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 that's all it is. Like I can't, it's no book that can right. tell you when you have when your heart is hardened, when you truly surrender it to God, He gonna do the work yes. for you. And you going to begin to feel the relief without even realizing like you're going to look back a year in your life and was like when did that happen when i i, I was there mm-hmm. so i'm gonna mm-hmm. tell y'all share with y'all like anybody that knows the old kita she was snap yeah in the in the drop <laughs> of the dime you're not gonna say that to me you're not gonna look at me this way you're not gonna do this i'm currently dealing with a situation in my life that those that are close to me know that if this was the back in the day, Kita, it'd been over. I would have been riding out. Yeah. yeah. Somebody would have been dragged through the streets, this and that. But at this point, I'm like, you know what? 
God, you've brought me too far. Yeah. I have a career Mm -hmm. that people said I couldn't have without a college degree. Right. I have kids that are in school, you know, Mm -hmm. doing doing amazing. You know, I have way too much to lose. And I'm gonna not gonna let no demon in hell pull me back to that place. So it comes to the point, I'm not saying that the situation doesn't bother me, but I've learned that you can't control the other person. Right. You can so at the end of the day, I'm just going to forgive that person yep. for what they did, what they say, what they continue to do, what they continue to say. And all I can do is continue to pray on that situation. And at the end of the day, two years from now, three years from now, I'm going to be looking at this situation like, wow. Yep. God, you did it again. Yes. Like that that's the only way that I can describe it. It's not anything that I that you I did. did. It's nothing it, that I it's, did. It's like when people be like, I posted a um like a meme when people ask you for your recipe and you be like, I don't got no recipe. I kind of this, I kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that and it it said like something about like the ancestors be like that's that's enough my child. It speaks to you. <laughs> But no, that's how it is. Like it's an, it's it's a recipe for greatness that God is 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 pouring up. Where He's like, okay, that's enough, my child. You know, and He's giving you that recipe for life. And so, like my sister said, like there's no book for this. There's no there's no step by step um, for this. And that's why I continuously continue to emphasize that this is not a story. This is not a play. This is not a movie. This is not, this is real life. This is not Instagram. You know, this is, this is real life. This is real life transparency. These are real emotions, you know, and this is hard. This is difficult for us to talk about these things, but it's also healing. It's therapeutic to us because not only is it healing us, but we pray that it heals somebody else. But also um, just knowing that um, God has you, like my sister said, when you look back and you be like, when did I get to this place? Like you have to understand watching, tracking your progress and tracking and looking back at those things that you went through. Mm -hmm. Like Sarah Jakes Roberts talks about, I keep talking about this tunnel because it keeps sticking with me. Um, she says, God, why would you put me in this tunnel? But that's the thing. Like God wants us to go through this dark tunnel because he already trusts us to, to see the breakthrough. He already trusts us to be the light for somebody else coming through this tunnel. And not only that, she spoke on like the shade, being in the shade of Jesus, of Jesus, like God has shaded us where some of us are like, how do we make it through without getting hurt? How do we make it through? you know, being where we are today. Like my sister talks about like, there were so many people that spoke against us. They spoke, they said we wasn't going to get no jobs without no degree. You know, us having our kids out of wedlock, our, our lives wasn't going to be nothing. And, and some of these people were family members, mm-hmm. Yes, but God shaded us where it's like, you know what? We probably could have ended up in foster care. We probably could have ended up in the state system, but God shaded us. My mother probably could have ended up killed and dead in the streets. She probably could have ended up, you know, being on somebody's timeline because y'all like the video or anything, you know, but 
God shaded her. Yes. Like there's so many circumstances that we can look at, you know, me and my sister being, you know, coming from where we came from, my sister being a single parent, her kids probably could have ended up in the streets. They probably could have ended up, you know, not being anything. Both of them are in college and, and, and succeeding in college and making it through. And she a single mother. I probably could have ended up, you know, it's it's so many different um, scenarios and stories that could have went, but Jesus is covering us. He's shading us to show us that I got you. And that's, and I think that's where this transparency journey is coming from. And, and I shared this back with my family in February, like me and my mom was talking about it. Um, it we was going through so many deaths. It was like three deaths in a row, including Kobe. And um, I listened to a message and it was like, and God was like, I want y'all to use y'all pain for purpose. And I sent this back in February and it's, it's now August. We definitely, we just got into this and it's like, um, understanding that he has a plan. And even though we don't act on it, like we could have acted on it in February when I said it, but I think, you know, understanding and grasping and understanding what the purpose was. Now I feel like it's evolving because God, what God told us, use y'all family pain for purpose. Cause we've been through so much behind the scenes, y'all that mm-hmm. nobody even knows. Like our closest friends don't know, like closest family don't know, you know, like, and everybody always, like I said, family goes, people always saying family goes, but they don't know why our family is so close. Right. Amen. We so know, right. Yeah. So that's like this morning. You know, I was, I, everybody know, I don't know why I wake up so early now. And I call myself mama now. And I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm in the kitchen doing something. So this morning, you know, I was up in the kitchen six o'clock in the morning and I was doing a cake for a baby shower. And I turned on my music and I just turned on uh, James Fortune um, mm-hmm. uh, playlist. Mm-hmm. And I, I was preparing myself for this episode today. Mm-hmm. And the first song that came on from James Fortune was The Curse is Broken. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that just spoke volumes. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because every, you know, when I got pregnant with my daughter. Yes. People say, you can't do this. You right. ruined your life. Yeah. You ruined this. And I look at my kids today, every curse that anybody put on me mm-hmm. is broken. Is broken. Yep. People at my job don't understand the position that I'm in. Amen. How is she here? Yep. She don't have a degree. Mm-hmm. I make the same money as them mm-hmm. having a degree. I didn't go to college. Both of my daughters are in college. Yes. Succeeded. Every curse that anybody has spoke over my life has not come into fruition. Yep. And none of it will. So like I said, anybody speaking negativity over me, anybody that wants to go back and listen at these podcasts and try to drag the family for the things that they hear here. Mm-hmm. What God has for us is for us. Yep. 
and that and that's that's just it because um like my sister said there's so many people i remember being pregnant with hunter and um a family member spoke over me that you know it will be nothing you know mm-hmm. um i remember a church member telling me if i didn't get a degree i wasn't going to get a real career and like my sister said, we are in these positions. We don't do it to brag. We don't we don't tell people what we do. We don't tell people what we make. But um a lot of people told us that we didn't have a degree, we wasn't gonna be any we wasn't gonna make it to anything. And we're in positions today that, like she said, people question and be like, Amen. How y'all make it here? And um, that's why I had to truly listen to God because I was stuck into this momish lane and I got so disappointed and I got so sad and so, you know, upset because I was like, God, well, momish is mine. You know, like, I don't understand why it won't work for me. Like, this is hard for me, but God wanted me to do more. And I think he wanted me to incorporate my family because we have so many stories and different backgrounds and experiences and journeys together that we can change change the world that's how i'm a manifest we're gonna change the world and can't nobody tell us nothing and there are so many things going on behind the scenes even my mom like her her going through she's accomplishing things behind the scenes that people don't even know Amen. and we're gonna speak on that before it even happens yes but it's just like don't allow those people to talk negativity into you and understand that when they're speaking those things, you eliminate them because like my sister said, what God has for you is for you. Like nobody would ever know. Like if you watch, my sister started her cake business years ago. Yes. And her, I told her today, her progression from then to now, nobody even understands that she never went to a, a class. She never went to a training. She never got help from nobody. Like, she legit perfected her craft on her own and yeah. she's building a business. She's building a legacy for her children and understanding that we grew up in a family that we didn't manifest this stuff. Nope. Like, I feel like, I feel like we had dreams, but we didn't talk it out loud. We didn't speak it out loud. We didn't manifest this stuff. And now my sister owns her own business. I own my own business, you know, and my mom has always been an entrepreneur, but she didn't know she didn't know to call it an entrepreneurship. Right. right. Well, God has given us this spirit. He's given us this strength. He's given us these yes. things that were we thought we were kind of like low on the totem pole. Yes. But God's like, nah, just wait. I'm gonna have y'all soar across every everything. You know, and I think that that speaks into when people always quote the because uh, I always say Jeremiah 2911. Jeremiah yes. 2011. For God, he knows the plans that he has for you. But like I said, like growing up in the church, um, we knew those scriptures. Yes. But now that now that we're living this life and we're going through these journeys, those scriptures mean so much more. Yeah. They like um emphasize the things that we're going through in our life. And we're like, you know what, God? And I, I'm thankful because back then we were like, why are we going to church so much? You know, yeah, we felt like the awkward yeah. uh, church kids. So, so but that even, foundation yeah, is real. That foundation is real. And even, you know, with my household and my kids, like you don't got to beat, you don't got to beat your kids over the head with the Bible. Sometimes, you know, I'll just get up and I'm in the kitchen and 
I'll, I'll turn on my music and the kids, they just out and about doing whatever they're doing in the yep. house. But that seed is being planted. Yep. You know, that seed is being planted. They, they may not be in tune with the music at that point, but those words are going to come back. It, those words are going to come back so, when they need yep. them. There's so many lyrics that came back and I kept telling my husband, I said, babe, there's so many lyrics that we listen to mm -hmm. in these gospel songs during quarantine. They came back. And I I think back to the, of course, the Kirk Franklin, Fred Hammond versus Battle was popular. And I think back to like a lot of those songs that they played. And I look at the, the stars and the people that were saying Jesus, mm -hmm. Jesus in the comment. And I was just like, this was God's plan all along. Like he's doing something during mm -hmm. this quarantine that, or this pandemic, he wants every knee to bow every tongue to confess to confess like that he is god and and it was just like you said those those lyrics come back to us and i'm like i listen to these songs mm -hmm. and i jam to them but you didn't understand i didn't them. understand them and now when i hear the lyrics i'm like my steps are ordered mm -hmm. like god has it all in control he's gonna turn yep. it around let go and let god like these are the lyrics music that were so is, simple music is powerful it is let me tell you something my mother and my stepfather was the king of queen of turning that gospel music up to a hundred on Sunday morning. And when I got into those late teens and early twenties, when I decided that I wanted to go out and party on Saturday nights, on Sunday morning, I used to be blown. Yep. Music on a hundred. They ironing clothes, <laughs> getting ready for church. And I don't care if you stayed out to five o'clock in the morning you going to hear this gospel yep. and you're going to get up and go to church. But I didn't appreciate it then. But now, like as I went through life in certain situations in my life, yep. I had that foundation to fall back on. And, and like I said, like you don't got to Bible thump your kids no. and religion. Like it's, it's just those things, letting your kids watch your life. Letting your kids watch yeah, yeah. you mature, like I said, playing that music and like just just dropping dropping some jewels every now and then. You may feel like it's falling on deaf ears, but as they go through life's journey, it's gonna replay yeah. in their head. You plant when you, they need you it. Give you them plant that foundation, that yes, planting that seed and nurturing it. It's just it's it's you watching it grow. Um, that's when the scripture comes in is for us train up a, child. Train up a mm -hmm. child in the way they should go and they will not depart from yeah it. so it's just about planting those seeds of god's word you know even with me i my my favorite scripture when i was in save the seed me and my sister-in-law um she know who she is she had a favorite scripture it was um i forget um what her scripture was well, I remember it, but it was in Proverbs. But mine was, I could do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Mm -hmm. And I still stand on that. And that's why when Pele always say, how did I do these things? That's scripture. Yeah. Because I stand on what God's word says. In spite of what goes on in life, and just to sit back and hear you all say y'all accomplishments. That's why I always put up on Facebook. I very seldom post. But when I post, I say how proud I am of you and your sisters, because 
of my life what the devil tried to take and make for bad what the enemy God turned it around for his good yeah and even I look at it I was like the things that I did not accomplish at that time I'm seeing my kids exceed more and my grandkids and then I'm going to see my great grandkids and my great great grandkids it's like in the Bible days when it was the Abrahams and their mm-hmm. and, and their generations, like you said, that generation curse has been broken. And I thank God for that because my main thing is it all started because when Kile asked about forgiveness, mm-hmm. when you forgive, yeah, God says only thing you have to do is forgive, and He will bless. And also not being ashamed, right? Because I think like mm-hmm. back in February when I reached. I'll tell y'all in full transparency again. I reached out and my mom, she you were fearful. Yes, I and, was. And she said she, what she her statement was, well, I never wanted to tell my story because I didn't want to embarrass y'all. Yes. And I told her, I said, it's not about embarrassing us. It's not about being ashamed to us. But I, I understand that God, that's when you're you're one where you understand that God has a bigger purpose. He right. wants to fulfill purpose in your life. And, um, you know, my sister is doing everything in, in new shirts and living with purpose. Um, but God wants us to walk in, in his purpose. Yes. So the things, like you said, the things that the devil thought was for bad. He yes. thought that he was tearing you down and you was going to be shamed for the rest of your life. You were right. going to be afraid for the rest of your life. Right. These are the same things that are going to break other people out that he think that he got control over them, but you're going to be the one who sheds light onto that situation. Exactly. Because a lot of times, you know, this new generation, I know y'all have this thing where I'm going to expose you. Mm -hmm. Isn't that I'm in a place in my life where can't nobody expose me because anything that like, I, anything that I have done in my past has already been exposed to the most high. Yeah. So there is yes. nothing that you can do to yes. expose my life. And that's what I'm saying. Like you, you have to be in control. Yeah. Can nobody ex expose you? Like don't, don't let people intimidate you yeah. with those statements. I'm going to expose you. I'm a this and that. You ain't got nobody do it. to answer <laughs> to, but the most high. So if you want to expose, expose me. Expose, <laughs> expose Ex- me. Because every every test <laughs> became a testimony. Yeah, exactly. So anything that somebody called themselves exposing you for, just know God going to turn it around for His glory. And that's what God showed me because when Kile first came to me with it, I talked to my husband and I was like, it wasn't about him because he knew my truth. Mm-hmm. But it was more about, I didn't want to embarrass or hurt my children with their friends and everything. And then it's some family members. They are prideful. Mm -hmm. They don't want you discussing things. But my life is a testimonial to God. Mm -hmm. I, I will not let the devil take anything from me no more. So even though I might have did things in my past that was not presentable to family members, I'm free. Through the grace of God. Yeah. And my main thing is about the grace and mercy that God gave me. Yeah. So I thank God for that. It's not about family members or how somebody might perceive what I discuss. 
Because the only family that I have to be concerned about is me and my children and my grandchildren and my husband and my mom. 